You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Oh, 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 Merry Christmas or Boxing Day since it's the 26th. And welcome to Hidden Yardage right here on the Blog and the Boys podcast network i'm mark lane follow me at the real mark lane he's sean martin follow him at sean martin nfl and tell him what kind of christmas presents you got or stocking stuffers that you discovered and uh sean will be happy to provide some comments on that absolutely you know Devonte smith may have tried to steal the christmas gifts from all of cowboys nation out of the salvation army kettle but by the end of the four quarters at at&t stadium on saturday it was plenty of christmas cheer to go around it was a nice win for the cowboys certainly to bounce back from the jaguars game it was something you needed to see and you know there's a lot of negative we can talk about too but i think we'll try to keep this christmas episode rather positive as they did get the win that's the most important thing uh two straight weeks of 40 to 33 to 34 scores and you end up on the right side this time yeah and let's go ahead and get into the negativity if you will and just really look at it on its face okay because this is what um the the people with scripts uh you know who do the pro wrestling in the morning um this is what they're gonna do and then this is what's gonna be on in waiting rooms and uh you know, whether it's a hospital waiting room uh, to get your muffler changed or you'd go over to your grandpa's house and the remote's broken and it's on one of these shows. And this is what they're going to say is, well, Dallas beat the Eagles, but it was Gartner mentioned. <laughs> well, so does that take away from the 40 to 34 win? No, I don't think it does. Like the Eagles are still a very talented team around Minshew. And let's not lose sight of the fact at all that, you know, the Cowboys were good enough this season to win with a backup quarterback, and we were all amazed by that and really saved the season. What Cooper Russ was able to do saved the season. Our very first episode, you know, in the regular season of this show was all doom and gloom, and the Bucks game was a loss, and the offense was bad, and they were stuck with these receivers, and they lost Prescott. I mean, there was no way to spin that this season was going to be, you know, by the time we were talking about this Christmas Eve game, it would have been like we're talking about the draft instead. So... If the Cowboys could win if their backup quarterback and prove that they were a good team at that point earlier in the season, the Eagles are facing this adversity later in the season, of course. And, you know, with their record being even better than Dallas's and better than anybody in the league, they should be able to show that they can still contend with Minshew. And, you know, the Cowboys still gave up probably too many throws to them. And we'll talk about this secondary and, you know, defensively, they definitely needed to buckle down more, but they still got the turnovers. They still decided the game with those turnovers by scoring on a short field every time they got one. And so they did enough against Minshew and, you know, the rest of this Eagles roster to get a close win. And it's the type of close win you can expect, you know, at this point in the season in December and in the playoffs where both these teams are heading. To me, if I'm going to detract from the Cowboys victory 
over the Eagles. It's not even going to be oh, whether it was Gardner Minshew or whatever. I there I think there are about sixteen teams out there. One of them being the New York Jets that would play Gardner Minshew as their starting quarterback. I think he played fabulously and really. I'm going to say it. I won't stand for this, Chris Jeffrey. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that he was uh, significant. He's who people thought Cooper Rush was during that winning streak. Okay, that's who Gardner Minshew played like. Um, I think that when Defensive tackle, Jordan Davis, cornerback, Avante Maddox. When they went out of the game, I think it changed the complexion of the Eagles defense a la Leighton Vander Esch in the Jaguars game. So in that aspect, that's where I would dock points away from the Cowboys' victory is were they really – was the Cowboys' offense really going against a strong Eagles defense, or were they handicapped? And that's why I think a rematch in the playoffs, uh, while inevitable, will be satisfactory if both teams are at full strength, because then it'll be for, uh, you know, win or go home, but also... Presumably, both you'll have Hertz versus Prescott, and you'll have both healthy rosters versus each other. And then I think everything will get settled at that point. That's a great point on, you know, just exactly the personnel that the Cowboys offense went up against across the way with the Eagles defense. But I saw a Cowboys offense that, you know, maybe more concerning to your point, that got in its own way too much again as well. You know, the Cowboys had 31 first and 10 snaps in this game, 14 were running plays, and that's not counting kneel downs. There were, you know, two more. So 31 real plays that, that were first and 10. 14 of them were runs. And when you did throw the ball, Prescott was, you know, as hard as he was on any other stat you want to look at throughout this game. On first down passes, we actually surprised the defense a bit. Prescott was 9 of 12, 103 yards. And he did take four of his six total sacks on those plays. So, you know, that, that points to two things. It points to... The offensive line still being a concern, and I don't know how much more they can do, considering they already got Tyron Smith back and he's playing right tackle and playing it well. But, you know, Tyler Smith, maybe he's hit a bit of a rookie wall. So things with Biotis going on, you know, what we saw last year and was it time to replace him in the draft and you didn't get a chance at Linderbaum and all these things. With, you know, is that going to come back to bite you? But when Pascal was protected, of course, he was great in this game. There was the third and 30 to T.Y. Hilton. There were so many other big plays, the touchdown to Gallup, both the touchdowns to Lamb. I mean, we could do a whole episode on how big, you know, of the plays that Prescott made in this game. But, yeah, I saw an offense that got in its own way with Kellen Moore, you know, calling the right plays most of the time, but just making it hard on themselves all the other times. You know, this is an offense that feels like it gets excited to get into third down. You know, it feels like their goal on every series is to create a third and short so that they can wear the defense down of Ezekiel Elliott and play hard-nosed ball and all these things that, you know, are kind of dated, right? So, you know, third down is something you should want to avoid. You need those explosive plays on first and second down. They kind of got away from that, even though it was clear earlier in this game that their best chance was going to be, you know, Prescott throwing it. Even after the pick six to put you in a 10 nothing hole, it was going to be a game where you needed Prescott's arm and, that was still the case, but it took all the way through the fourth quarter to come out on top because of it, thanks to some of those early down runs that weren't as successful going up against when you had Jordan Davis in the game 
and that really stout Eagles defense line and just the early down runs as opposed to getting these backs involved through the air, or, you know, getting more from your receivers right now is a, is a bigger concern no matter what defense you're going up against. Here's what's funny about the what you were talking about, get to third down, you know, and um, and, you know, see what happens. All right, I'm just going to go by each yard to go on third down. This is the Cowboys rank going into week 16. Third and one, second best. Third and two, tenth best. Third and three, fourth worst. Third and four, eleventh worst. Third and five, third worst. So it's interesting how really when you, in my opinion, you get into a, a diversity of play calling from third and five, thir- third and three to third and five, and the Cowboys just get worse. So, uh, you know. It's a lack of separation and receiver that's, you know, really caused that. And we're going to talk about T.Y. Hilton here in a minute. And, you know, look, I like Michael Gallup. I'm a fan of his game. And I'm, of course, a fan of Prescott. And, you know, even if you weren't somehow a fan of Prescott's game going into yesterday's game or Saturday's game, I don't know how you can't be then coming out of that performance. So, you know, Prescott is doing in some of these recent games is pretty heroic. And that's what I wrote about in my post-game notes that always come out at BTB. But... You know, the Cowboys have faced 15, at least 15 third downs in the last three weeks, which is a good sample size of kind of when they've started these struggles. That includes the Texans game, the loss to the Jaguars, and now this Eagles game, at least 15 third downs. And if we consider the Kansas City Chiefs still as the gold standard of an offense, you know, it's hard to compare anybody back to Mahomes. He's one of one. I get that. Andy Reid is a Hall of Fame coach. Put all that aside. Just look at the Chiefs as your gold standard for offense, how you want to stay out of third down and create big plays. They haven't had any more than 12 third down plays throughout that same period of time when the Cowboys are consistently facing 15 or 16. So that might not seem like a huge gap, but hey, that's three or four chances that a defense can get off the field, force a punt. And, you know, early in the season, we'd say, oh, well, the Cowboys defense has got your back. Not so much the case anymore, of course. We know this defense has some holes in it right now. We know they need the offense to really support them. They need, And the defense is relying on getting turnovers to get the ball back to the offense. They can really put up points, but you're limiting your ability to consistently put up points when you put yourself in these third downs all the time. Now, I know I was raising the questions um, on whether it was a valid win or whatever, but here's one element that I think is the most encouraging coming out of that victory is you saw the Cowboys defense do that same Showtime Lakers type of uh, takeaways and bunches that they did to the Colts, that they do to mediocre, to terrible teams, They were doing it to the Eagles' offense. Now, again, I think that Gardner Minshew for Jalen Hurts is an acceptable replacement. I don't think that there really was any drop-off in quarterback play. You know, noticeable, like it was going to be, say, from Tony Romo to Brandon Whedon and Matt Castle. I don't think there was too terrible of a drop-off yet. The Cowboys, they they did what they do to uh, bad teams, but they were doing it to a great team in the Eagles, and that's coming up with those fourth-quarter interceptions 
and fumbles. They were doing it to the Eagles. And I think that that's an encouraging thing to take away from the win. By the way, uh, I know I came up with this stat, so, you know, it's garbage. I mean, maybe if I'll wear more plaid shirts, (laughs) then, you know, my stats will start being more acceptable. But this was the seventh game since hiring Dan Quinn with – uh, four-plus takeaways since hiring Dan Quinn. Uh, everyone else, uh, the Buccaneers, Bills, and forget who the third team was. I think it was the Patriots. Uh, they're all stuck at four in the same span. That's what Dan Quinn does for defense. And I understand being skeptical of you know how dependent this team has now become on getting turnovers as far as whether or not that's how this team is going to be successful in the postseason. We all get it. They have had no postseason success, you know, really in my lifetime and your lifetime to speak of. And so, you know, it's hard to say, well, this year is going to be different because, and then you insert an extremely volatile stat like creating and getting turnovers. So, you know, you can, there's things you can control in that element. And that's how many times you, you yourself turn the ball over. Dak Prescott needs to find a way to limit those. And, you know, the pick six is probably one of the worst throws of his career, but at least it got the ball right back for you. It wasn't, you know, something you had to go sit on the sideline with. They took it right back. And I think the response from that drive is exactly what we've seen for Prescott's career. You know, he's always able to just respond to adversity and things like that. So they got down the field. Elliott scores a touchdown and it's game back on, even though you're still down by three to Gardner Minshew and you, you're having the sense that it's going to be a long four-quarter type of game. Well, maybe it didn't have to be that way if you didn't come out of the gates of a turnover. But, you know, what's interesting is a couple of weeks ago, I told our listeners to be thankful for what you have at safety because we've, we spent so long on the other end of the spectrum at safety here in Dallas where, you know, there was really no talent there. And we all said, well, that's the missing piece of Super Bowl. We need better safety play. And, you know, that's kind of ridiculous, yes, but it didn't hurt to upgrade it. But now the way they've upgraded it kind of handcuffs them as well. You know, these guys are getting kind of picked on in coverage. You saw Trayvon Diggs early in the game give up a big play, and it was Trayvon Coase was nowhere near, you know, being able to help on that play. Donovan Wilson, his best plays, we've been saying it all season long, they come when he's lined up down in the box, and he's not a guy that you want playing deep down there in coverage. So, you know, the way these safeties made up for it is if, if, you're, go, if you're going to get those blast plays that they make down in the box, the interception, um, with Coase jumping around, the fumble recoveries, Wilson making big stops against the run. If you're going to get all of that, you can live with what they do in deep coverage. But, you know, there's still a hole in this defense in the secondary, thanks to the injuries at corner and just what they have at safety that they're trying to make up for a string of turnovers. And, you know, it's been so far so good. And the most recent game, of course, here against the Eagles was all good on the turnover end, especially the way the offense went down the field and scored after all of them. Prescott was 4-5. or five on the 36-yard touchdown drive, the 36-yard touchdown to Lamb after the coast interception, coast fumble recovery, goes two or three, throws a 12-yard touchdown to Gallup, Bland interception, he goes three or five, they kick a field goal with Brad Maher, and then the Anthony Barr fumble recovery after that was all running plays, but the, the longest play of that drive was a 16-yard scramble by Prescott, and Maher makes another field goal. So, yeah, I do think, you know, better or worse, we're seeing the formula of how this team is going to have to continue to win all the way into the postseason, continue to make these blast plays, give up the big plays, but then buckle down in the red zone and then just do your damn best to limit the turnovers on offense and trust Prescott to still air it out and go score after the turnovers and you know hope that's enough to come out on top. So then do you think that the Cowboys have accepted that Dak at this particular point is a turnover machine 
and that they can win around it? Yeah, I think in some ways they have, just because you look at Mike McCarthy's comments after the Jaguars game, and he said, you know, Prescott needs to keep slinging it, and, you know, he's happy with how much they're throwing it, and, you know, McCarthy had to spend all offseason asking, answering questions about, you know, are you going to take more of the responsibility off of Kellen Moore? Are you really going to let your, you know, coaching faith hang, hang in the balance of, you know, just what, what at the time we thought was a still an inexperienced and, you know, struggling, to be honest, offensive coordinator. So now Moore has gotten his praise and his criticism throughout this season, but more so praise. And so McCarthy, you know, maybe hasn't had to answer too much to that, but he's still very much a part of this offense. And so if he's happy with how much Prescott's throwing the ball and they're going to have to live with, you know, some of these same turnovers. And, you know, I think the Cowboys can still cut back on him. Again, the lack of separation doesn't help. Everything is a tight window throw, but the pick six was was actually a good play call. I wrote in my post-game notes, you know, it could be so hard to evaluate Kellen Moore because of some of these throws because everybody will look at that and say, oh, how do, you, how do you call that play? And why did it end in a pick six? And why is your OC not doing the quarterback any favors? He actually set that play up. I mean, Kellen Moore is in his bag when the game is still in the script. And we need to all appreciate that. When it's the first 15, 20 plays that he scripts, Kellen Moore has come out and put defenses in a blender. I mean, that play action bootleg was set up by both Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard already being involved in the passing games. The Eagles defense already saw him come out of the backfield and catch passes, and now you're going to fake it to him and throw it to the tight end. They'd already run out of a similar formation as well. I mean, it was set up perfectly, and then you just don't plan on the quarterback, especially a Pro Bowl quarterback, throwing it right into the hands of a defensive end and going back the other way. So you, know, you have to grade the full game, of course, and by the end of the game, Prescott made more than enough plays to make up for it and came out on top. And that's what I'm saying is I think that they have accepted it. It's kind of like what Bill Parcells told uh, Phil Sims in 1986, which was just go out there and sling it. I'll back you up. Um, But that's the decision is for you to just go and sling it. And one pass that Prescott absolutely slung was – a 52-yard pass to T.Y. Hilton on a third and 30 right when the Cowboys needed to have it in the fourth quarter. And, uh, you know, Hilton came through. Um, You know, because that's what T.Y. Hilton does, according to Mark Lane from Universe 832, is he just gets open (laughs) on go-routes like that and makes plays. And with him making such an impact – in his first career game with Dallas, I mean, is Hilton going to shut up all the Amari Cooper truthers who, you know, post his stats and everything and and uh, give updates from his Fitbit every second? I hope Cowboys fans can appreciate, the, you know, of course the play that Hilton made on third and 30 was insane. It was a, you know, a great example of what Prescott can do with a clean pocket. The protection was there, and he absolutely slung that thing downfield. It was a great catch behind the defense. It was a type of go ball that we really haven't seen all season long, even to see the lamb. But now Hilton was on the right end of it. And, of course, it being on third and 30 is just such a great cherry on top. But I hope fans can also appreciate the defensive holding slash pass interference penalty he drew on a fourth down because that is the type of route running and separation that's going to be the more consistent impact that Hilton can make. You know, again, to go back to my earlier point on Michael Gallup, you know, great player, love what he's done, you know, team, he's on a team friendly deal now, love that Prescott is trying to get him more and more involved each week as is Kellen Moore. All that's great, but, you know, we're getting really close to the point of talking about 
you know, how this team can actually go perform in the playoffs and how they can not come out like they did against the 49ers and actually make something of what's been a really strong season. And all these contested throws to Gallup, I mean, it's just a hard way to sustain offense. You know, even the contested throws to Lamb, you trust him to go up more at the catch point and those types of things. But Gallup's explosiveness has just not been there since returning from the injury. And, you know, good on Prescott for still trying to get the ball to him and believing in himself enough to fit these tight window throws. But every ball to Gallup is so contested right now. It's just leading to tip balls and potential turnovers and, you know, throws that are short of the sticks. He has to come back to it. Again, hard way to sustain offense, but Hilton, you ran a very similar route to what you've tried to do with Gallup, and it was explosive. It forced the DB to you know commit a penalty. You kept that drive alive and ended up scoring a touchdown. So that paired with the fact that you know he caught again one of the first goal balls we've really seen from this offense in a bit. And yeah, I do think Hilton can you know maybe not completely make you forget about Amari Cooper. He would have to really be a red zone threat for that, and you know start putting up a lot of touchdowns here late in the year and. We know this team still wants to run the ball down there in the red zone. So that part of Hilton's game we might not see. But, yeah, if they can, you know, use him to not phase out Gallup, I don't know what, you know, the right idea or the plan should be for Gallup down the stretch of the season. But all the help you can get at receiver is needed right now. So you don't need quite the level of hero ball from Prescott that they've needed these past couple of weeks and that they needed against Gardner Minshew, which might not be a good sign. But T.Y. Hilton can help out in all those ways, and you know his speed over the top was a huge difference in this game. Yeah, he does seem to have brought that missing Michael Gallup element to the passing game, and uh, I didn't think that he'd have that big of an impact. I thought he'd have just kind of a subtle one, like you were talking about, with uh, drawing a pass interference or maybe catching an 11-yard pass or something like that, but. Yeah, it is adding that element of taking the top off of defenses. And uh, that that's why I think it's just still a little nuts to keep talking about Odell Beckham. But, I'm, but like I said, they're doing that because you can, because now this is all pre-talk to free agency where they may go get him. Yeah, I know Jerry's continuing to have to comment about Odell after the game and said, you know, it's getting down to the point where, you know, when we started, it was maybe you can help us at the end of the regular season, but really for the playoffs. And then it was going to be just a playoffs. And now Jerry's saying, you know, it seems like he won't even be a player that at this point you, you, that you could get in here and have him help in the playoffs. And then at that point, what is the point? And, you know, I think Cowboys fans would start to agree, would start to agree now and see that, you know, better or worse, you have what you have at receiver, but, Prescott is throwing the ball with such confidence right now that, you know, let him let him get the reps with the guys he's actually going to have in the postseason. You know, let's make something of, you know, maybe this is overconfidence in the quarterback, but let's make something of Lamb, Gallup, and Hilton and go from there with Dalton Saltz and Pollard and Elliott, of course, being involved too as opposed to continuously tinkering with it all the way through the postseason and seeing if that throws off the quarterback at any point. You know, this quarterback has the confidence to throw to anybody right now and He's not throwing to just anybody, though. He's throwing to guys who are getting open. Hilton got open, of course, and made the play of the game. Lamb is getting open much more consistently now. And, you know, you can continue to see how Gallup progresses over these next two weeks and, you know, force defenses to prepare for him going into the playoffs would be a good sign as well. You know, in addition to, like I said, those check down throws that you have with the tight ends or the running backs, those have been such a huge part of the passing game that I feel like you got away from a little bit in the Seagulls matchup. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, people talk about Christmas relative to roster construction throughout the NFL. It's the opening of free agency. Well, it's like Christmas, and this is not like getting any toys, you know, when the Cowboys do what they always do, which is not sign anybody. I think free agency is more like a birthday than it is Christmas. The draft is Christmas. And so given that the draft is Christmas and that Mike McCarthy during OTAs talked about how they would need to rely on the rookies later in the year, let's just go ahead and do a quick assessment of each 2022 rookie. And, uh, you know, from the draft class. And so I'll give it to you. What's your impression of Tyler Smith so far? Well, he certainly exceeded expectations. You know, everybody, the, the first line of his scouting report from pretty much every Cowboys analyst who watched his team playing tackle at Tulsa there was, yeah, this guy's not an NFL tackle. And, you know, the Cowboys saw something we all didn't. And that's what they get paid to do. And, you know, sure enough, he's just starting off tackle and very well could be your left tackle of the future. We'll see what Tyron Smith's future holds right now. They're thinking very short term term with him. He's a guy who deserves, you know, a team that has some playoff success. So he's doing everything it takes to be a part of a successful team. And right now that's playing right tackle. And so good on him for that. And he's held up well over there playing next to Zach Martin, which is pretty awesome to see. So yeah, Tyler Smith has hit a bit of a rookie wall, I think more so these past couple of weeks, but you know, with, with linemen, you always hear grade the full game, grade 60 snaps with these guys. And I think if you grade it all, 60 snaps from Tyler Smith week in and week out. You'd be really impressed by the leap he's made coming in here, preparing to play left guard, but then being thrown out there to tackle and really holding his own, moving people against the run even still, which is what you expected from him at guard. But he's doing it at tackle. He's holding up in pass pro well enough. And, you know, he's a pick that a lot of fans doubted, but the Cowboys have proven themselves right with so far. Yeah, I'll be in the I was wrong camp about Tyler Smith. I didn't think that. He'd be able to at this level so soon. Number uh, second round pick Sam Williams, defensive end. He's you know certainly had an interesting uh, you know start to his career. He's you know kind of been a pet cat of Dan Quinn since the draft process, so that kind of gave him a head start on where he was going to get snaps. But it's such an amoeba defense. It's such a versatile you know guys line up everywhere in the front seven, and they have to play specific roles. That you know I thought that would be an issue for Williams being too much too soon and coming from a scheme where he in college where he did play a little bit of both end and tackle, but he's doing both of those here. He, of course, missed the Eagles game, but, you know, out there, uh, defensive tackle, he shows off the speed and some pass rush ability. The Cowboys still do have a pretty glaring need for, you know, a true run-stuffing defensive tackle and probably another pass rush guy in there as well as opposed to these smaller players that are kind of getting gassed a bit against the run sometimes. So, you know, how much Williams can – adapt to help them there. That would be something to watch going into year two or three maybe. But yeah, right now, rookie Sam Williams, you know, look forward to getting him back on the field and seeing what he does to end his first regular season here and going into the playoffs because he definitely has some juice coming off the edge and 
the pass rush from the front four has been lacking a little bit, and you know he could be another spark that you're going to need right here. He'll get there. Um, he's not been as splashy of a rookie as Tyler Smith or even Micah Parsons in his first year. <laughs> Third round pick, Jalen Tolbert. Man, this one hurts, doesn't it? Like this just hurts for so many reasons because we mentioned last week, and I mentioned it in multiple articles at bloggingtheboys.com. Like, not all positions are created equal, and that sounds like a dumb thing though. I just have to say, but it's true, and it's very well could be why the Cowboys fall short again this season because not all positions are created equal, and so we can praise them for a tackle. We can praise them for Sam Williams as a defensive end. We can praise them for, you know, we'll talk about Deron Bland in a minute, these guys in the secondary, but we spent all offseason on wide receiver, and that's a position that ranks much higher as far as where you need, you know, a consistent player there than a lot of the other ones I just mentioned, and yet this was the one that you needed to get right the most, and they you know, as of now, have not gotten it right. You know, it was unfair to expect really anything out of a third-round pick. The expectations coming out of training camp for Jalen Tolbert were really high for seemingly no reason. And, you know, so that's almost set him up for the failure that we've kind of seen. But, yeah, the fact that he can't even get on the field when the Cowboys are running out, you know, let's take before T.Y. Hilton, what they had at receiver before Hilton, and Tolbert wasn't even a factor. This one hurts, and it's something that is so bad that you, you don't even know if he's going to be, you know, part of the team build or the roster moving forward, which then sets you back at a position where you feel like you should be going for a quick fix. And maybe that does mean you sign Odell in the offseason or something like that. But instead, we might be right back to talking about still a pretty big need of receiver because you're not expecting really anything out of Jalen Tolbert. The interesting thing with him was his college tape was a lot of, you know, he was the wide receiver one in a small school, South Alabama. So, of course, the ball was going to him a lot. But the interesting thing there that I thought he, he could contribute right away was, you know, they used him a lot of, on a lot of, like, clear-out type routes where it was just go take the top off the defense, go draw a safety to you, and then we're going to throw it underneath. And, you know, I have no idea who the receivers underneath were on the South Alabama tape, but they made plays because of the way that, Jalen Tolbert drew defenses to him. So I thought that he could be that same type of player here who's running those clear outs to get CDLM the ball underneath for Dalton Soltz. So, you know, I really thought that that could be something that he steps in and does right away at a high level, and we haven't even seen that from him. I think he's a slow fix. I think they got him for problems that they're going to face contractually with Michael Gallup and CD Lamb down the road, which is why they took him. That's always been my contention albeit his lack of contribution to this point in the season is nevertheless surprising. Um, then you go on to their fourth-round pick, Jake Ferguson. This is, could very well be one of your best picks of this draft. I mean, Jake Ferguson could be in line to be your tight end one next season. You know, Dalton Soltz is going to have the franchise tag now contract decision and, you know, have has Ferguson and Desaul McKeens and, uh, Peyton Henderson out to the world done enough to, you know, think that you can use that money for Dalton Schultz elsewhere. I certainly think so. Jake Ferguson is really so now. He's almost been just like a light version of Dalton Schultz. He reminds you of him on the field. He gets down the field. He can be a little bit slippery at times on the bootlegs, getting up the field, moving your chains, breaking tackles. So there was so much to like about Jake Ferguson's game. And yeah, I think, you know, the Prescott to Ferguson connection could be one that we're talking about for a really long time. So Great on the Cowboys for finding him in the fourth round. Yeah, and and this is what I'm talking about in terms of a slow fix. 
when they took him, I figured he was going to be insurance for Dalton Schultz's franchise tag. And this is how I thought Tolbert's rookie season would go. I thought he would progress, and then you'd see, oh, well, he can take so-and-so's spot later. But uh didn't happen that way with uh, Tolbert. And But the thing with Ferguson, you also have to mention the stocking stuffer of the undrafted free agent Peyton Hendershot. Oh, of course, you know, the way that they've, the tight end room, like you hear the sounds from the sideline the Dallas Cowboys media puts out every week. And you know, this tight end room just seems really close. Like they all, you know, make jokes together on the bench and they had the celebration after Hendershot's rushing touchdown against the Giants in the whack-a-mole Salvation Army kettle. So yeah, it seems like a really great, you know, chemistry that they have going on at tight end. And it's an offense that rewards that by, you know, not every offense out there in the NFL is lining up with many tight ends, of course. It's a lot of more three, four receiver looks, but the Cowboys don't go that deep at receivers. So they've had to make up for it. But the good thing about when you put these tight ends on the field is that, of course, alerts the defense that, you know, perhaps the first thing they be looking for is a run. So they're stacking up for Elliott or Pollard to get the ball on the carry, but then they've been caught off guard by the way that Henderson and Schultz and Ferguson can all get up the field and catch passes out of those looks as well. So that's really been the Cowboys' best formation is when they have multiple tight ends on the field. And, you know, Ferguson kind of leads the way as far as just how quickly he's able to snap off some of these routes and be an easy target for Prescott. And Matt, well, let's go uh, their fifth-round tackle it was promising till he got injured. Yeah, kind of a redshirt season for him. You know, the tough thing about taking a redshirt year as an offensive lineman is that's a position where, you know, it feels like getting your engine checked on your car. It's just something you should do routine maintenance on. You know, the Cowboys valued him. Their front five up there was so much, of course, and there was a string of first-round picks, and then to keep up with it, you know, you have to spend later-round picks. You can get talent elsewhere. It's not going to cost you a premium. So the first-round picks went elsewhere, but they still – found value in the offensive line. So, you know, swing tackle is a tough spot to just say, oh, I took a red suit, but it's my job next to you. You know, there's going to be plenty of free agents, you know, and other draft picks out there that are going to intrigue the Cowboys to, you know, potentially take to either compete with or let's go or replace them entirely. But, you know, just a player with some size and who can get up the field in the run game and has some of those traits that you look for in Dallas here. So he'll have a chance certainly to still be in the mix for just the death up front that this team cares about on the offensive line. This should be an easy one, Deron Bland. Anything but Bland, right? Deron Bland is awesome. I mean, <laughs> the way he plays in coverage is just a perfect compliment to Trayvon Diggs. You know, Diggs is, of course, the aggressive gamble guy. His his gamble on that touchdown for the Eagles was just a horrible play. I mean, that wasn't even, like, one where you can say, oh, just aggressiveness to bur- that hurt you, but you can overfit because here's another play he made. Okay, I got to interrupt. On that play, Babe Laufenberg from the Cowboys Radio Network, described it as when your dog goes chasing a car yeah. <laughs> and then you have to explain to your kid later that Fido went to doggy heaven. Oh, man. Yeah, because the whole flat was covered. Like, there were so many other defenders that Diggs had a clear view of. Like, he's staring at just a mess. You know, Minshew was looking at the same mess, and he has no plan of going with the ball there. Diggs are looking down on it, seeing, you know, oh, the ball's probably not coming here, and if it does, we have it covered. And he just crashes down for really no reason and made no impact on 
the area where the ball wasn't going, and then of course vacated you know the entire end zone for an easy touchdown. So yeah, not a great play by Diggs, and that's a great job by Offenberg there. You know, we expect nothing less from the great Cowboys radio network of Brad Sam. So Deron Blando is the perfect complement with Diggs. You know, he's sticky in coverage and. The ball production has been surprising. You know, you turn on his Fresno State tape and he's kind of in phase a lot, but was kind of just going up at the catch point and, you know, a step behind at times, not always making these plays on the ball. So the way he's been able to speed up his game and, you know, working with the Cowboys uh, defensive staff and Dan Quinn there coaching him up to be able to be a step ahead now and get his hands on these passes and come away with five takeaways so far on the season. I mean, it's just awesome to see. He really could be the answer long-term for the Cowboys secondary. They still need a little bit more. You know, I started the show talking about the liabilities they have in coverage at safety right now, but for Bland, it hasn't mattered. I mean, he doesn't need safety help. He doesn't need underneath help from these linebackers who have been in and out of the lineup as well. He's just a guy you can trust in one-on-one coverage almost anywhere on the field, and just an awesome pick that the Cowboys found, you know, there in the later rounds. I like what they're doing with Damone Clark. I think the more snaps he gets, it'll pay off by playoff time. Yeah, it's interesting with Clark because, you know, another pick we're going to talk about is the last pick of this draft, Devin Harper. And those are kind of your two potential future players at, you know, a traditional linebacker spot. But like Dan Quinn, the evil scientist, you know, has kind of phased out the need for that traditional linebacker role in this defense, you're better or worse, you know, again, he's kind of playing safeties down there. And so sometimes they get beat in coverage when, you know, the pass rush doesn't get home and now you're scrambling around and you don't have any deep coverage. And that's how you've been gassed on a couple of these plays. But yeah, you know, you do need, I think this defense does need to move towards having an actual, you know, linebacker type player on the field. And of course, Leighton Van Der Esch, when he comes back will be one of them. And then Clark is another who is getting more snaps and, you know, they like his ability against the run. That's why he plays over Jabril Cox. And so he's a guy that, yeah, could definitely be in line for more snaps and, playing that true linebacker spot when you do need it, which I think is going to be more and more, you know, as you approach the postseason here and just get away from, you know, some of these more hybrid looks and you have to just line up and get in a base defense of a linebacker like Van Der Esch, Clark, and Anthony Barr. Those are your three you can probably trust the most right now and, and go line up and play this defense. So, you know, I'm with you on that. I do like what they've done with Clark so far. And uh, we're going to skip John Ridgway because that's pretty self-evident. And then the sixth-round pick – Linebacker Devin Harper. He's only played uh, three games so far. Yeah, another guy, you know, injured and went on injury reserve. So, a bit of a redshirt, uh, again, season for him. But, you know, coming out of Oklahoma State, smaller player, but he has the reins, that sideline to sideline type of play, can do a little bit in coverage, gets to the proper depth when he drops into coverage. So, you know, he's a guy that. I think Quinn could be excited about the future with, you know, again, kind of like when I talked about with let's go at tackle, it's not a position where you're going to sit on your hands and say, oh, we have him, so we're not going to look at any of these other guys. You know, Quinn can continue to handpick any number of college prospects this year that do pretty much what Devin Harper does. But, you know, the fact that they still have Devin Harper is a good thing, and he's the last pick of your draft. So. Yeah, and, and I think that they've done a good job with the draft in finding guys that can contribute, but I still think there are some uh, some guys in there that are a pair of socks. You know, they're they're not coming in the clutch right now on Christmas Day, but they will later in the year. 
or, you know, in the near future. Yeah, probably none more so than Damone Clark, like you said. You know, this defense still needs to figure out a good amount of things against the run. They still need to, you know, understand what, what's going on at defensive tackle. And I don't think there's an immediate fix there for this season. So that means that these linebackers are going to see plenty of runs get to the second level and they better be ready to meet it. And, you know, Anthony Barr struggled for most of the game yesterday until making some veteran plays in the fourth quarter and coming up with a fumble recovery. And he did make some big tackles when the edge was set by DeMarcus Lawrence or Durant Armstrong as well. So, you know, he stepped up like you need to see these mercenary veteran type free agents do. And, you know, T.Y. Hilton, you could put the same moniker on. So that was really great to see. But, yeah, these runs are going to continue to fall into the lap of the Cowboys linebackers. And, you know, Damone Clark, Kibar, and Van Der Esch better be ready come postseason time. All right, let's go ahead and get to some Cowboys birthdays. I'm just going to pick three. I know I gave you, like, uh, you know, the – 12 days of Christmas worth of... Yeah, it's a nice-looking list, Jim. I'm just going to pick... Well, really four, I I lied. Um, On Wednesday, Everson Walls, Cubby Walls, turned 63 years old, and that's the man who played with Dallas from 1981 to 89, and uh, Trayvon Diggs broke his interception record last year. Uh, Also on Wednesday, Sean McCune... Turns 25 years old. He's been a tight end with Dallas since 2020. On Thursday, Tony Tolbert played defensive end for the Cowboys from 89 to 97. He turns 55, so he's a three-time Super Bowl champion. And then on Friday, uh, Mel Renfro, Hall of Famer, turns 81 years old. He's with Dallas from 64 to 77. And part of that rare company that includes Roger Staubach and Larry Cole of Cowboys players who got two Super Bowl wins in the 70s. Not every one of uh, the Cowboys Super Bowl winners in the 70s were able to do that, but Mel Renfro did. Those are your Cowboys birthdays. It's cool to see some of the history of, like, the bright history that they've had in the secondary. Some of these iconic names the corner all fall on the list at the same time. You know, the fact that we have Walls and Renfro in the same in the same list here is pretty cool. And I didn't realize I'm older than Saul McKean, the Cowboys tight end. So, hey, you know, I'm looking at the both years here, and you got McKean and Bold because you do that for, you know, guys who are on the current roster. And so then I look at the year, and it's like, wait a second, 97? I was born in 96. Oh, man. <laughs> so that's, uh, you know, good for him, of course, that tight end room again. They, they're just a bunch of young guys who seem to have a lot of fun with it, and they're, they're a tight-knit group that, you know, this offense really counts on very heavily. So really cool for Saul McKean and, of course, to all of our Cowboys birthdays who get to celebrate around Christmas. And it's always a thing on social media, right? You probably have people you follow, you know, football-related or not, who are always complaining if their birthday's around this time. So oh, my friends are going to forget my birthday because they're caught up with Christmas or they're going to try to wrap it all up into one holiday. Well, you know, here you go. No, they do that by the, as someone who represents – that demographic, that, that totally happens. Um, so, see, I'm a late January birthday, so like it doesn't get mentioned around Christmas time. But then it come, you know, there's like enough time for it to come back up. Like, you know, Christmas, New Year's, you can start to think about it a little bit, but it doesn't happen because you're caught up with Christmas and New Year's. But then you still have time to turn the page and be like, oh yeah, birthday's coming up. Yeah. Um. So for me, my um free agency happens right when the draft is happening. Right. <laughs> Uh, so you're there in, we're in the same time zone for once, uh, but you're there in New Jersey. Uh, tell me what the pork roll sandwich was like. What was I missing out on this week? Yeah. So I actually haven't 
crossed back into my homestay yet and had, you know, a true authentic bagel shop uh, pork roll I can see. So my immediate, fam- immediate family is in Delaware, which is where I'm recording this from and where I've started my trip. Um, but, you know, my brother-in-law was nice enough to make some pancakes and breakfast and pork roll for us on Christmas morning here. So that was, of course, awesome. And, you know, so that was my first taste of pork roll in quite a bit. But, yeah, I do plan on crossing back into the homestay and maybe say hi to fellow BTB or Dave Sturtio on the way and then um, – you know, getting an authentic bagel shop pork roll I can see is on one of these next couple of days would certainly make the trip, uh, you know, worthwhile coming home. You know, we always associate football with as a Thanksgiving holiday, with the Thanksgiving holiday and being a Thanksgiving sport. And so that's why Thanksgiving has quickly become one of my favorite holidays because it was a time to come back from Austin and see family as well as seeing the Cowboys. You always get the guarantee game and all that. So, you know, Thanksgiving quickly became one of my favorite holidays because of all of that. But now we get Cowboys football to talk about over Christmas and, you know, win over the Eagles at that. That's pretty great. So, you know, it's been a lot of fun to be a part of this BTB, uh, you know, experience and to record from all over the country. And I'm here in a, you know, a bedroom at my sister's place to, uh, to get this done for everybody. So, you know, we're committed to, to getting this covered for, for Cowboys fans who want to enjoy this win with their family, because I remember, I, I don't know if I've seen a game where Twitter sifted, you know, more throughout the game. Like I've never seen more doom and gloom in the first quarter to this total jubilation by the end of the game. I mean, it first quarter was everyone's got to go. This pick six was horrible. Same old Cowboys. We'll get to lose to Gardner Minshew. Isn't this horrible? And then it was just immediately triple zero. And it was, oh, we get to celebrate Christmas for win. And, you know, oh, Philly, we ruined Philly's Christmas. Isn't that great? And let's throw snowballs. And, I mean, it was a full 180 that I didn't see coming. Yeah, I mean, one cool customer ought to do uh, trolling the nation just on Cowboys fans. I think it did. I think there is. No, oh, just yes. on Cowboys fans alone. Because <laughs> that was just, yeah, I mean, I saw it too. And thought, really, these people want to go back to Cooper Rush? I, I didn't see that, man. You got some toxic followers. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, Twitter, they suggest people to you. You know? I need to get well, with Elon Musk yeah. and say, you need to be suggesting me, bud. Follow Mark Lane. He's got great stats, and he's very level-headed throughout these games, man. So, yeah, y'all y- make sure you go do that. Yeah, and follow Sean Martin at Sean Martin NFL because he really does have great post-game analysis and uh, and content relative to finding pork roll sandwiches and also the experience of being a Northeasterner living in Austin, Texas. Yeah, it's pretty great, of course. And, uh, you know, I got my niece. You saw the picture. I got my niece a uh, cowboy hat with pink trim to it and some pink cowboy boots. So we're doing what we can, y'all, to uh, to make her not just a Cowboys fan, of course, but a, you know, a little bit of a Western, a cowgirl, too, if you will, and to get a bike and everything, too. So, yeah, it's been a great Christmas to be home. And, uh, you know, to everybody else, thing, I hope that you've enjoyed family time, some time away and, you know, time to just watch football and not worry about too much of anything else as we go into now a Thursday night game against the Titans. That could be a little bit weird to go from, you know, everybody's always says that their work schedule feels messed up in between Christmas and New Year's. They don't want to do a whole lot. Well, you're going to be leaving your office on Thursday and saying, oh, it's game day. And, you know, you got to get ready for Derrick Henry and the Titans, but another backup quarterback at that. So, I know our shows later in the week will cover that as far as what we're facing what we're facing with Malik Willis instead of Ryan Tannehill. But, yeah, Cowboys-Titans from Nashville on a Thursday is the next challenge for this team. Well, Merry Christmas, Sean, and 
I'll talk to you next year. Sounds great. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. So there it is. Yeah.